0: Hello and good day, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Magic the First Pioneer's podcast. This podcast is all about the Pioneer format, and we keep our listeners up to date with what is new, interesting, and powerful in the world of Pioneer. I am joined here with my co-host and a special guest. I am Kevin Finkel, coming to you from Chicago area. Hey,
1: everybody. It's uh, Ryan, the Japan hobbyist, coming at you from the Tokyo area of Japan. And special guest, what area are you coming from?
2: Uh, I am Sam, also known as Island Go Same on Twitch, and I am coming from New England.
1: The New England area, okay. Yeah, <laughs> The general
0: really area. Really glad to have you on the show yeah. here, yeah. So, uh, I think you guys know I've always talked about us, Sam being one of my favorite streamers here, so I'm always following his stream. Mm-hmm. He's also another collaborator with the Playing Pioneer group. So, we talk about his decks a lot, but we brought him onto the show. There's been a pop-up deck recently that we think it's an important deck to go take a deep dive in. We haven't really looked at very much, and that is these green ramp decks that are really popping up in the, uh, the format. And not just the... The one that's existing. So there's kind of a... There's like the Karn Devotion Nykthos yeah. ramp. We've been seeing this green-red ramp deck showing up a little bit that goes a little bit bigger yeah. almost going into Dragonlord Atarka and Ugin as the the payoffs there. So that's the deck we really want to focus on this week is that green-red or green X ramp.
1: And I do just do want to preface that we have had Ashiok, had Dreams of Ashiok on before to do the green devotion thing. Like, I don't... This is like last year or sometime. I want to say, like, September, October, and uh, a lot has changed since then. So we got uh, Sam on here to kind of talk about how the deck has changed since then and to kind of give us, you know, kind of compare it to, um, like we said, the uh, Tarka version or the Gruul Ramp version. Before we get started, though, I do kind of want to uh, let Sam kind of introduce himself. So if you don't mind just telling us a little bit about yourself, maybe, like, what's, like, your uh, MTG background, why do you like Pioneer, etc.?
2: Sure. So I've been playing Magic for about ten years at this point, starting around f- original Theros block, and I started playing Pioneer uh, within four hours of the format being announced. Uh, yes. They they announced the format. They said there would be some PTQs and some challenges, and uh, the team my team at the time was like, "Yeah, let's uh, let's build some busted control decks," and that's what we did. Uh, we we were the ones who created the Esper Yorion Blink deck at the start of that format. Oh. Uh, we we created some other ones, but that's like the main deck that people remember me and the rest of the, bu- the boys from. Uh,
1: mm-hmm.
2: Since then, I've been independently streaming a lot of exclusively Pioneer. Uh, I qualified for my first Pro Tour playing mono red, and I am requalified for the next paper Pioneer Pro Tour. So we are planning on doing nothing for Pioneer uh, for the ne- nothing but Pioneer for the
1: next mm.
2: six months of my life.
1: Mm. Don't so, get burned out. Be careful.
2: Oh yeah, we but we are pretty uh, ingrained in Pioneer at this point. Nice. See, nice.
0: he's a mono red player. You hear "burned out" and you think about. I don't yeah, know yeah. Saying, but I didn't
2: want to say the, the one who, who No burns. pun intended. But <laughs> yeah, Yeah, So I haven't. Um, I'm not the largest uh, mono green player, but I did do a bit of testing before the most recent mm. showcase with it, and I did end up streaming the Green Devotion deck with my girlfriend. Uh, we ended up going six, uh, seven, and two, coming in 12th mm-hmm. of 380 something, just missing out on top eight. It was really rough, but we had a lot of fun. And obviously, the Green Devotion deck is one of the best decks in the format at this point. It was fine before the Winona ban, but at at the moment, there doesn't seem to be very much preying on this style of deck.
1: Mm. And we'll talk about that a little bit more later. I want to focus more on the Gruel Ramp because it's like the new player. You know, it wasn't standard. It never really materialized uh, when Pioneer was kind of formed. I think we might have saw it for like a little bit like that one month before like the first Grand Prix. And then it just disappeared because Uro came out and all these other, you know, powerful decks from block. Like um, we had like, I don't know, what was it? I think Inverter came out at that same time as well. Just everyone forgot about it yeah so so, yeah no i think sam actually gave us a good lead in as far as context mm -hmm. there
0: is that winota is gone that's very important for the deck which is not very interactive early on Mm -hmm. and you really needed to be against winota and with green the mono green deck being probably the most popular list in the format how is this deck positioned against that is is probably where i would set that up because i think that this is a response to that deck in some ways the gruel ramp you mean I would say the Gruul Ramp deck... Yeah, so let, let, let's call it Gruul Ramp versus mono green, yeah. just to differentiate. Gruul that's what I'm about here. There we
2: go. Yeah. Yeah, so this Gruul Ramp deck has existed a little before, as we said at the beginning of the format, and the, the first person who ended up winning the challenge with it, SC, SGC Cyrus, uh, they've been playing this deck on and off for about a year now, and it seems like they've finally settled on this list. This list was posted pre Uh So... Even when Winona was just such a bad matchup for you, you only had like four sideboard rather runestones for the matchup, he still ended up winning the challenge, I believe beating Mm. Winona in the finals. Mm -hmm. So even if you are playing against a bad matchup, you always will have some game because of your linear game plan of put lands into play, cast your big creatures, kill your opponent's creatures, and end up winning with literally whatever you want.
1: Yeah, and let's talk about that uh, a little bit. How does it win? What are these different paths to victory with the Grill Ramp?
2: Yeah, so Grill Ramp, it's a bit different than Devotion, where Devotion you just, like, overwhelm your opponent with Planeswalkers and value. This ramp deck just wants to put one large thing into play, whether that be Dragonlord Atarka against the creature decks, uh, Ugin against also creature decks, but also decks that put Planeswalkers and other not-unland permanents into play and then Emrakul and Worldbreaker against the control decks. Those are the Mm -hmm. ones with cast triggers, so counterspells are not as effective against those as they would be against the other threats in this deck.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do like the abilities. I think having either indestructibility or also, like, um, uh, how could I say, uh, being able to get them back, you know, like the Worldbreakers is also kind of very big, because if people aren't playing effects, they're going to be in trouble against these decks, I think.
2: Yeah, that is... That
1: yeah, is they're all
0: true. hard to answer. They also all end the game rather quickly, which mm-hmm. is important for this kind of list. You know, sometimes we'll see things like the six-mana Chandra is a nice big ramp target, but doesn't end the game very quickly mm-hmm. whatsoever.
2: But a 13-13 that uh, can't be... I believe it has protection from instance, and yep. you Flying rip your trample. opponent's hand apart
1: the next turn. Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, this one's
2: mm-hmm. real difficult.
1: Mm-hmm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah different points like we said uh Mono green, lots of planeswalkers a little bit slow to win the game it just kills you with value where this just kills you with really yes. really big creatures
2: yeah one right, of them so let's talk about the core of the deck
1: oh yeah mm-hmm. sorry go ahead. yeah i'm just yeah.
2: gonna say one of the main draws to this deck versus the the green devotion deck is that you're not playing mana dorks uh mm-hmm. in the form of elish mystic Lamor elf which means you are significantly le- uh, more resilient to the mid-range decks of this format that mm-hmm. look to interact with Fatal Push and other burn mm-hmm. spells. All of your ramp pieces are Carry Added, Grazer, Cultivate, Mrs. Pilgrimage. They put lands mm-hmm. into play, or they have Hexproof. So you just yeah. cannot interact with them except on the stack or in the hand.
1: Yeah, so like Kevin was saying, um, core cards, you want to go into that then, Kevin? sure so i'll just kind of run through what we are talking about for core cards here so we do see those
0: arboreal grazers sylvan caryatids cultivates nissa's pilgrimages those are, i think are kind of the core of the ramp package of the deck yep. uh, as far as payoff we've been seeing yeah so round four atarka you know three to four atarka um three to four ugin at least one emercol some number of Worldbreaker, and i've also seen a list uh that's probably about it you know i I you think there's a list that you posted here that has a Titan of Industry, if I see
1: it right. Yes, I wouldn't say, say that's one of the a of card. I think that's more of a flex points. And did you say Cavalier sure. of Thorns? No. So
0: that's what I wanted to touch on, yeah. is Cavalier of Thorns kind of fits in the middle as being a payoff, but also an accelerator. In that, you know, it finds lands, it can help you put one of your pieces back on top of your deck. But really, the, the piece here that we wanted to talk about is whether Cavalier or the... Um, the Escape to the Wilds fits in that slot, because that that's kind of the one big difference I think I've seen with Sam's version that he was mm-hmm. playing on stream versus the uh, the initial version that had come out, the one from, what was it, SCG Cyrus. Yeah, so yeah. What,
1: what would you say, uh, Sam, which one is more of the core of the deck? What's What are most people going to be playing? So if you're going to be
2: playing against this deck, you will most likely see Cavalier. Uh, this is the card that Cyrus and Linda both won their challenges with. Uh, the, I ended up putting Escape to the Wild in the deck because, uh, for a little bit of context, Green Devotion, uh, when you cast a Cavalier, you mill over Storm the Festivals a lot, which have flashback. And in this deck, mm-hmm. there's just no value to be gained from putting cards in your graveyard. So I just mm. figured, this card doesn't do enough, let's find some other 5-mana card that puts initial land into play and does something else. And Escape to the Wilds puts that land into play, gets you to 7-mana, finds your Atarka, and casts the Atarka. So that was mm-hmm. the logic behind Escape to the Wilds. Also, incidentally, you get Gigantha. So if you are playing against the Gruul Ramp deck, you will know if your opponent's playing Cavalier or Escape based on them revealing a companion, which is a really mm-hmm. uh, not next-level thing to do, but it is a nice thing to know when you are just learning about this format.
1: I do want to say I kind of like Cavalier of Thorns a little bit more, especially if you're going into a heavy uh, spirits metagame. Like, if your area is playing mm, yeah. mono-blue or bant or, you know, blue-white, I like all of these creatures with reach, because you got Cavalier, Boreal Grazer, and World that can block flyers.
2: Yeah, for sure. Cavalier is really good when you are being pressured. It doesn't matter on the ground or on the air, because that has reach. Uh, but if, you're, if your metagame has a lot of spirits or mono-red or maybe even Rakdos, then Cavalier does a pretty decent job of gumming up the board and letting you survive an additional turn. But if you're expecting game has a lot of control decks and a lot of more grindy decks that you're going to need mm-hmm. multiple threats, uh, mm. Escape to the Wilds does a great job. Uh, I ended up putting Escape in just because of Phoenix. We determined mm. that a single Atarka or a single Cavalier wouldn't get the job done. So just having mm. more and more cards that force your opponent to have counter magic is super important. Um Okay, talk? that's great. That was definitely the biggest thing I'd want to ask about is
0: when one versus the other might be better. Yeah. Uh, can you think of any other... So Phoenix, Control, uh, what are some other grindy decks you're thinking of where you'd rather have the escape? Um, what about in the uh, the mono-green matchups since that one's so popular?
2: Yeah, in the mono-green matchups, I w- think I would prefer escape, because against green, the only card that really matters is Ugin and Emrakul. Atarka mm-hmm. is fine, but it only usually kills one thing, and it can't even kill a Cavalier on its own. And Monogreen doesn't really pressure you on the ground. They pressure you with their Planeswalkers. So just like digging five cards deep to your Ugin and to your Emmercool, and your Worldbreakers, Breakers, obviously, is what I've been mm-hmm. ho- liking how I approach that matchup.
1: All right, so I was going to ask about the lands. What lands would you say must must be part of the deck? Like, what are the core lands? And is are there any flex points?
2: Yeah, so for, for this, let's talk about the stock version, obviously, the one with Cavalier. Uh, so the lands you definitely need are the Force Trine of Forsaken Gods and four Castle Garenbrig. Castle Garenbrig, uh, is the land that you can pay four mana, tap it, and add six green to your mana pool, so it's basically Mm -hmm. an Ancient Tomb for a creature. It allows you to cast Dragonlord Tarka a turn earlier, casting the Worldbreaker a turn earlier, gets you additional mana for Embercool, it does exactly what you want for the, for the, at least for the four Tarka version of this deck. Mm Mm-hmm. And then uh, the forest trying to Forsaken Gods. Uh, this card's not as good, but being able to cast Ugin one turn earlier, it usually will be super relevant against a lot of those um,
1: mid-range decks. I do kind of want to say that, I mean, I've played uh, Ramp before, and I've played this one a little bit as well, and you do run into the problem sometimes of having way too many colorless spells and not, like, enough green sources you know like uh like cavalier is triple
2: green and you can sometimes sometimes have some issues like in the list that uh linda ended up uh winning with we see two sanctums four shrines one arch one mountain and one haven and then Mm -hmm. it looks like Mm -hmm. um how many green sources is this that's 16 green sources past all of that. So you only have 16 sources for Cavalier. If you're counting Carrietta as cult and Cultivate and Pilgrimage as green sources, then you're probably fine. Mm-hmm. But I do, I, I do admit that it can be somewhat difficult.
0: Yeah, and I think that's important to note as well for the red. People looked at this original list and were like, wow, you're playing one mountain and you're playing red in this deck, you know, Dragonlord of Tarka. But it's important to note that, you know, Sylvan Carrietta taps her red. Mm-hmm. The Cultivates will find your single mountain. Your Cavalier mm-hmm. can find your mountain. Your both yep. of Nissa can find your mountain. You've also got that one Haven the Spirit yeah. Dragon sitting there.
2: Yeah. If like you that. end up do playing the Escape to Wild version, um uh, you gotta you gotta put in some more red green lands. I ended up throwing in four Crag Pathway, because that card is just super free in a green based ramp deck. But mm-hmm. in, if you're playing the stock version, you can just play one basic mountain and get away with it. hmm The math does work.
0: Okay. So one last card in the main deck that I really wanted to ask about, and I think this is another one, Oath of Nyssa. You know, it's a four of in all three of these lists that we're looking at. Yeah. But it does seem a little bit more out of place in this list where it can't find all of your ramp sources. You know, it can't find the Cultivate, the Nyssa's Pilgrimage, and you don't have Planeswalkers, which is nice that it finds in the mono green version. Um, is there any other cards you've considered over Oath of Nyssa? You know, you're also not uh, relying on it for devotion. So I'm just kind of curious what, what role it plays in the deck.
2: Uh Othanissa is just like a card that allows you to find your payoffs. Uh this deck is pretty short on payoffs. If we don't count Cavalier as one, we only have eleven, ca- 11 total payoffs. And sometimes Atarka is not right in specific matchups. Like against um uh, blue white or whatever, Atarka just does not do enough. It will just get mm. counter on the way down and you lose. Othanissa is just a good redundancy, finds your finds whatever Uh, land you're looking for whether it be castle or lair of the hydra or it finds your payoffs Uh, yeah if you're playing the escape version you can go down as mothanessa's but Othanissa also plays really well after a escape to the wilds or a cavalier because the land that comes into play off of those will be untapped and you can use the the Hmm. last piece of mana to cast the Othanissa and find your payoff
1: Hmm. while we are still on the kind of like the core cards and like the, the main deck, are there any other alternative cards? Like, for example, you had uh, Escape to the Wild instead of Cavalier of Thorns. Are there any other cards that we could kind of change around? Like, for example, I was thinking of using Topiary Stomper instead of Cultivate to find my mountain or ramp me up. It's You get one less card, but you're still ramping regardless.
2: Hmm. I haven't given that card a shot yet. The reason the stomper sees a lot of play in devotion is because uh it not two only pips. does it find one land it's two devotion pips and mm-hmm. you draw a card off kiora hmm. uh, i mm-hmm. think mm-hmm. in this version of the deck um by the time you hit seven lands you're casting your attack and you're casting your payoff and you usually will be able to stabilize after that so stomper i don't think would do too too much at that stage in the game mm. um yeah, cultivate drawing a bunch of cards is kind of important as well cuz this is a deck that mulligans pretty well because you have uh eight cultivate effects mm-hmm. and uh, like grazer makes your makes the number of lands in your hand matter a ton. Uh being able to refuel with the cultivates important. I don't think so s- any hand that can cast cultivate on 3 is probably a keep. Yes. I have I have kept a hand that goes cultivate into i have kept five lands cultivate atarka and easily won the game
1: mm. if they didn't have uh, thought right oh yes <laughs> i think it That's was against key. like
2: humans okay and it, and it just worked nice, nice. castle garenbrick lets you do stuff like that
0: well if uh, ryan threw out one thing i'm always good at suggesting terrible cards to people who
2: already have good decks um what about <laughs> golos as another five drop option as just something to consider yeah so golos was actually something i did consider Um, being able to just like tutor up any of your, any of the lands you need, whether that be Castle Garenbrigg, Shrine of Forsaken Gods, Sanctum, or if you have Golos in your deck, you're going to put the Cascading Cataracts or Mm -hmm. World Tree in your deck. I don't, I don't know which one would be Mm -hmm. better in this version, but Golos is not the worst idea. I suspect it's a bit worse than Cavalier. It's, it's much smaller of a body. But it does give you as the a blocker, yeah. yeah as as a blocker as a as an attacker for your opponent's planeswalkers if you're playing like against Monogreen. green. But it does have the advantage of how what I like about escape the wilds. It's a ramp piece and a payoff. Golos grabbing cataracts. That's a payoff in itself. You c- you just grab the cataracts and then you have mm-hmm. you have an engine sitting in play as your ramp piece.
1: And so, I, I do want to mention that you can look for Golos with Sanctum of Ugin because that's uh, if you cast something and you want to grab that to just kind of keep it going, mm-hmm. you can grab Golos' plate and then grab something else. And...
0: Maybe since we're ramp fans, we'll, we'll, add, we'll try out Golos as a one of or something. Yeah, That's fine. Uh, okay, yeah. the other one I did want to ask about as far as kind of that middle slot is we used to see some lists like this that were playing Omnath. What would it take or would that be a possible evolution of this deck? To add in those additional colors to include the four-color omnath in mm.
2: this deck. Four color omnath. Uh
1: <laughs> how about the two-color? How about the the seven mana one? The... Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to be a little serious, okay. Ryan. Okay.
2: Yeah, so the four-color omnath, I haven't thought about it too much in this deck. I feel like in if you're gonna be playing an omnath deck, you're you're better off playing the Lotus Cobra version that was popular back when Uro and Teferi were legal uh Mm -hmm. that deck had pretty decent mana because uh you were able to play a much slower game plan due to Uro uh now that Uro is no longer in the format we've seen some of those decks pop up but they're forced to play some really bad cards in their main deck like Corsair of Crufix. so I I would be a bit wary trying to build some sort of cultivate ramp deck with omnath obviously cultivates decent with omnath like cultivate if you have an omnath to play cast cultivate that's plus one mana that's pretty sweet
0: Mm
2: -hmm. and omnath is great with cards like ugin turn four omnath into turn five fetchland you get to cast your ugin that was a very common play pattern back in the omnath ultimatum deck i yeah just curious because i know that Ugin, that was the other way that I used to see Ugin sometimes
0: in Pioneer. So i mm-hmm. was curious if that was a thought at all or an evolution.
2: Yeah, it's... I haven't given it too much thought because this deck is a lot more just like dedicated ramp, whereas the, the Omnath decks are usually able to play a more mid-range game plan. So it's possible that okay. cards like Ugin and Atarka and Cultivate would be able to fit in some
1: sort of Lotus Cobra Omnath deck.
0: All right, so Ryan, are you ready to talk about the sideboard?
1: Yeah, I wanted to I find out what Sam thinks. M- what cards must be in the sideboard? I know there's going to be a couple flex spots, but what absolutely must you have in the, these ramp sideboards?
2: Yeah, so the only must-must-have in the sideboard is the one of uh, Ulamog, the Ceaseless Hunger. Uh, mm-hmm. If you take a look at the main deck, every list that you see has one main deck Embercool. Uh That's just mm-hmm. a really good card to grab off of a sanctum movement trigger when you cast a Worldbreaker, uh you grab this card against blue white against phoenix and against any mid-range or grindy deck or even the combo decks you can just uh against lotus field uh you just gain control their next turn play lotus field from their hand sack all the lotus fields they have nothing going on at that point Mm -hmm. you can do some dumb stuff with uh but in the matchups where emerald isn't great like against mono red and against a lot of the other like permanent-based uh, mid-range decks, Ulamog does a much better job of taking care of the problem permanents than Emrakul does. So having an Emrakul in your sideboard to bring in against those matchups is really good. Uh, a lot of other... Uh, the other slots that people really have been liking as of late is four copies of Courser and three mm-hmm. copies of K-Return, Coslex Return. I'm, I'm lumping them together because... These, are, these seven cards are ones that you're almost always bringing in against most aggro decks. Um, mm. cap- like Corsair, you're not bringing in against Spirits, but every every other aggro deck, whether that be blue-red or mono-red, mono-black. Uh, Anything these
1: ground-based.
2: Are, yes. These, these are the cards that will help you uh, maybe not win the game, but allow you to
1: survive a little longer. So you bring in, like, those seven cards. What do you drop in? I mean, that's something, like, I have no idea what I would drop to bring those in would i draft like the cultivates or something or yeah pilgrimage? so against the
2: aggro decks you're usually going to be cutting the world breakers those are just like mm. really weak they're just five sevens essentially mm-hmm. like you cut the world breaker you cut the emercool. Um uh in my version I, I would cut the escape but i don't think you can afford to cut cavalier so you do cut some amount of pilgrimages and an oath of nissa mm-hmm. or two Othanissa, as, as we talked about, not that important to the strategy. Helps you find your payoffs. But if you're casting a K Return or a Corsair, you're able to stabilize the board long enough to find your payoffs. So you can afford mm-hmm. to cut one or two of those cards.
1: Okay. So Corsair needs to be in there. Kozilek's Return. Anything else that you see that kind of must be in the sideboard? Uh, the only other card is some amount of
2: Weathered Runestones. Uh, that's mm-hmm. mainly just for Grease Fang. Uh, you don't really care about bringing that in against, against the Collected Company decks, but Grease Fang is just such a hard matchup for this deck. Grease Fang's fine for the Devotion deck because you have main deck Karn, but we just have no way to actually deal with Grease Fang besides the one of Beseju in our deck, so having Weathered Runestones to shut down the the Parhelion coming into play is going to be pretty
1: important. So depending on how much... Yeah, Beseju only stops another. it for
2: one turn. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I was gonna say I also kind of like uh, being able to just exile their lands before they can cast it. If you can get an early Worldbreaker out,
2: yep, Worldbreaker does do a decent job in that matchup. You I can... mean, it
1: blacks Pygmylion as well. So.
2: It does. It it that and Cavalier
1: uh, allow you to stabilize pretty well against that deck. Hmm. So everything else, would you say, is a flex spot? Because like, you know, I've seen some people playing Rurik Thar, which is very spicy. Yeah, so I, I,
2: sick flex, but I believe I was the one who put Rurik Thar in these sideboards. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, 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 kind it. of, I kind of put it in as a meme, but it, mm-hmm. it was very good. Phoenix just cannot deal with this card. Uh, it's like they can, they have to take twelve damage, damage to do right? so. Oh, no. Yeah. So one of the of one of the issues with Rurikthar like it's good, obviously Lotus Field can never win the game, but even when you're playing against Phoenix, your Phoenix opponent goes Lightning Axe, uh, strangle, kill it. Cool. Uh, your Phoenix opponent took twelve. They're at eight. Huh. What else are you going to do? You, you, you're not. You're not pressuring them. So nice. they just took twelve, and then nothing happens. So Rookar might not be the best card in the sideboard for Phoenix, but it obviously is great against mm. control decks, against um,
1: Lotus I mean, Fields. This... It-
0: and be- Here's your chance to suggest all of our terrible cards, Ryan. What do I mean, think this be this, could, this
1: deck could basically be green-red hate bears, but ramp hate bears. So, you know, you get your Titan of Industry Queen. and Rurik Dars, and your Rurik because you're Anastasia halfway Ardo. there. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. What, what other, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten mana cards can we play that just totally destroy people? Yeah, let's put them all in here. Mm, yeah.
2: Fourth Ugin.
1: Yeah, fourth Ugin. Yeah. I like the Ugin against Devotion matchups. Yeah, for sure.
2: That is definitely one of the best choices.
0: Yeah, so that's where we we're saying that this deck does get a chance to prey on the Devotion, the mono green version of the deck, a little bit, because Ugin is really, really good at that matchup, taking care of all of their creatures and Planeswalkers, and often their ramp sources as mm-hmm. well. You know, it drops things like the enchantments on the lands mm-hmm.
1: at the same time. I would say also I'd bring in Ugin against, like, five-color Niv decks. Yes. Niv is a very difficult matchup.
2: Um, Niv, as well as, like, the mirror, a lot of your payoffs don't really matter because you can just, like, continue putting better payoffs into play and then wiping the board and then doing it again, wiping the board, Mm -hmm. do it again. Uh, So so the mirror, this mirror is atrocious. I haven't played it enough to know exactly how bad it is, but if you're not playing Cavalier, you kind of lose because you don't have a good way to pressure your opponent. Mm. Uh, but against Niv, you just have to bring in every single threat and hope you can run your opponent out before they just, like, cast more Nivs to uh, continue the value train. It, it can mm. be real annoying.
1: Okay. Does that pretty
2: much cover the sideboard, you think? I think so. Like, there's a few other Seven, flex slots. Nine. Like, mm. people play Run Foul. That's just a card that we ended up putting in our deck to beat Spirits. Mm. Uh Initially we had it in there to bring in against the Blue Red Prowess deck, but now that that, that deck doesn't exist, we have one or two against our new worst matchup in mono blue spirits.
1: Mm-hmm-hmm. And then you yeah, have some
2: that... Yeah, some some damping spheres, but that's that's really it. I was gonna say mono green's <laughs> been
1: playing Skylasher, right?
2: Yes, Skylasher is a new addition. Uh it might be correct for this deck. I haven't given I haven't given it too much thought as of late. Skylasher is it's not a new addition to Pioneer, like, sideboards, but now that Mono Blue is one of the better decks in the format due to how well-positioned it is against the green ramp decks, uh, you're most likely going to see a lot more of those in play. Just to shout out a couple of those cards in case people don't know them. So Run is the one-mana green instant that
0: makes an opponent sacrifice a creature with flying, and then Skylasher is a one and a green for a 2-2 flash insect that can't be countered, has reach and protection from blue. Yes. You know, we don't have the visual medium so it's nice to explain what cards we're talking about here um sure. anything yeah I'm trying to think what else would be good against that the mono green deck or mono blue decks but I think that I could see Skylasher fitting into this one just just as another way to block and you know be a wall against them it'll always block some kind of spear yeah
2: the, the issue is like you're bringing in 3K returns and that's like kind of a nonbo with Ooh, Skylasher but I, I don't know mm-hmm. if you if you have three Skylasher 3K return you're probably gonna have an okay time against the blue, blue decks in general. It's probably not the worst thing in the world. trying to think what that other uh, green creature is that was always used
0: against flying decks from, like, Theros block. Theros block. I don't know. I'll try and look it up Uh, while Ryan asks the next question, which is probably going to be about matchups, if he's uh, still on the line here. Oh, uh, he's having some PC problems, so I'm going to lead us into our next question, which is going to be about matchups for the deck. Um, so really interested in what you know, we you we've talked a little bit about blue, we've talked a little bit about green. What are some other you know really good or really bad matchups and so what kind of meta would you, would you want to play this deck into?
2: Yeah, so this deck is really good against the uh the the mid-range decks obviously. Uh if if you're if your opponent casts a thought season you reveal like grazer, karyatic cultivate, two payoffs, you're you're dead. Uh green just cannot effectively Sorry, uh Rakdos cannot effectively deal with green, especially the versions that don't give them targets for fatal push, as we talked about a bit earlier in the show. Uh, The mid-range decks just don't pressure you enough before you are able to naturally hit your lands, cast your Atarka, and win the game. Uh, You're a bit worse off against the control decks than the devotion deck, because the devotion deck has early threats to play, like Troll, Kiora, Karn, where this deck, you really only have cavaliers and then that's it that's all you can yeah, do so
0: those are turn four turn five play usually
2: yeah at that point your opponent can usually put themselves in a position where they are able to just hold up counterspell for the rest of the game and you are not able to resolve a meaningful threat unless you can find an ever cool but that seems to be about it for that matchup uh, another like Matchup that really does matter in this format is mono red, um, although green devotion uh, does have a lot of dorks that get killed. Green devotion does uh, sport a favorable matchup against mono red due to old growth troll and how difficult that card is to deal with. In addition to your combo finish with storm of the festival cavalier, uh, you know how that deck works. Uh, but the Gruel ramp deck, you don't have a ton against mono red. Like you have grazers and carry added which block well. And you have a Tarka to wipe the board, but you don't really have any way to gain life. You don't have a good way to quickly close the game like Green Devotion does with their combo finish. So against Mono Red, you're Mm -hmm. probably going to be pretty far behind. So what about the Rakdos matchup? I
0: think you had mentioned discard, but is it otherwise a good or a bad matchup for the deck?
2: Yeah, so overall it is definitely positive for the for the green ramp deck as well as green devotion, but this deck has sports a much better matchup than the green devotion deck does cuz as I said before, you just can't interact profitably.
0: Okay, a few more uh, to go over just because we haven't touched on them is control for this list. You know, we I do see the Emercol would definitely be a strong point there. Uh Worldbreaker seems like another good card in that matchup.
1: I yeah, love. so I was going to say I really love the whole Sanctum of Ugin chaining thing against control, but maybe you can talk about that a little bit.
2: Yeah, if you love if you love modern Tron, uh, you're going to love the package with the Sanctums and the Ugins and the Worldbreakers, but overall, uh, the control matchup isn't very good. Um, you're you're not able to pressure your opponent at all. The earliest thing you can do is Cavalier on 4. And then Atarkas, Titans on five, and then Worldbreakers. Past that, but if your opponent just holds up counterspells forever, there's no way you can actually generate a decent advantage. Hmm. It's not great. And
0: but so does that same kind of thought logic apply to the combo decks of the format as far as uh, playing enough pressure?
2: Yeah. So yeah, against the combo decks, you just have to try to race putting an Emercool into play or killing them with an Ugin or. I guess maybe Worldbreaker hit their land so they can't combo off. Mm-hmm. But, like, in general, the combo decks in this format are uh, Indomitable Creativity decks, which usually kill you on the spot or gain control of your permanence. And then Lotus Field, mm. which you just cannot interact with unless you have a Dampings for your post board. Not even World is going to save you there.
1: Well, I like the Rurik Thor- Thur- Thur- Thar tech that you uh, added in.
2: Yeah, Rurik Thar yeah, does work help against a lot. Dot. It's also a card that you can just, like, bring against aggro. It's just a six-mana <laughs> threat that you just put into play. And it's burned as an- well. Yeah, you just say, I'm going to end the game, and I'm going to attack you for six every turn. What are you going <laughs> to do about it? <laughs> I like that.
0: Uh, so one more question here, since you mentioned Damping Sphere. So I-, I could say it, but I would rather, you know, the pro we've got on says it, the, the pro tour player that we have on says it. <laughs> Should you be bringing in that Damping Sphere against the Mono Green
2: Devotion deck? So... I played Damping Spheres in mono-red aggro, and I was very adamant about not bringing in against Nykthos uh, decks. In, uh, in, uh, ex- in exactly mono-red, uh, you okay. don't really have the the time and the resources to afford having a hate piece for a card where you're just going to lose to Old Growth Troll, but in these ramp decks, you can afford to have just one of your... Uh, cards, if, if you're able to survive an ex- a few turns by shutting off that Nykthos until you hit your Ugin or your Tarka, then Damping Sphere is probably a decent card. I haven't given it too much thought in that matchup in particular, but if I had to take a guess, Damping Sphere would be a card we end up siding in. Uh, okay, you, that's ha- interesting. You have some cards that you can cut in the matchup, like Titan of Industry and mm. Emmercool. but... Dealing with the Those either with Worldbreaker or Damping Sphere, is probably a decent avenue to victory. All right. I, I appreciate that. That's some insight that I don't know if I'd have known otherwise.
0: Uh, where were we? I feel like I got us off yeah, track we because we mentioned Damping Sphere. We, and we
1: talked I, about I wanted Control. We talked about Rakdos. Mm-hmm. Were there any other matchups we needed to talk about?
2: We already talked about Spirits a little bit.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, so you
0: had a couple more questions, Ryan. Why don't, why don't you uh, jump to our next one?
1: Yeah. So, I did at the, at the start of the show, I did um, talk about how we had, you know, Dreams of Vashiak on way, way back. And um, mm-hmm. uh, this deck has changed a lot since then. And I just kind of want to go over real quick why is Mono Green so good now? What has been added to the deck in the last few seasons that just made it a, a player, you could say, in the format?
2: Yeah. So. Mono Green has basically been doing a lot better due to the addition of um, where where's
1: the where's the card that I was thinking storm of? Storm the festivals. Yeah, Stor- them, right. Yes,
2: storm the festival, allowing cool. you to uh, combo off and continue comboing off with your Cavaliers has been the reason uh, that Mono Green Devotion has been doing well within the past, I guess, three to six months. Mm-hmm. Uh, against the mid-range decks, a single storm of the festival will win the game.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, is that the only thing that made it more playable, or are there other things?
2: No, that that's really it. Um, people realize that Pestilence Cauldron went infinite with Karn, but uh, as we see in a lot of these newer versions of the deck that just don't include the Overgrown Tomb because you're a lot less reliant on the combo, that the Cauldron probably is not what made the deck blow up. Mm. Um, it, it's... Mo- it's you, as far as we can tell, it's just Storm the Festival. Uh, once people realize that this card is just a collecting company for your Planeswalkers and it allows you to uh, put a Cavalier in play, find your Nykthos, and that allows you to flash it back the next turn immediately, uh, this card became the the Boogeyman.
1: I was going to say that the Kiora attack kind of came about recently in the last few seasons or so. That wasn't really part of the original version. And I think yeah. that's kind of helped out a lot as well, just the untapping Nykthos as well as the drawing the cards.
2: Yep, that's one of the things that allows you to continue going off. If you're from the festival, hits a Kiora plus initial mana source, you can use the Kiora to untap the Nykthos, add more mm-hmm. mana. It can get real silly. And Kiora is yeah. obviously really good against the control matchups where you land a Kiora early. It's a mana source in itself, but you just play out your trolls, your plukonos your Cavaliers, mm. your uh Stompers, and you're able to continue generating an advantage while casting the spells that your opponent doesn't want to counter. They want to counter the Planeswalkers and the Storm of the Festival. They don't want to counter the creatures.
1: I like Polakranos coming back.
2: Yes, Pelukranos is really good in this deck. Yes. Uh, on stream, <laughs> when I played this deck, I I know I made Pelukranos a 15-15 more than wow. once, and yeah. killed my opponent in one swing. Nice. It was... Plukonos is definitely an all-star. Uh there's this main deck has two flex slots. If we take a look at the the version that we have up here, the one that I ended up playing, mm-hmm. my main deck flex slots are Nyssa and a Peluchinos. Um people you can play usually you're going to play with C1 Plukonos and then one other 5 drop whether that be Nyssa or Gargaroth.
1: Mm-hmm. Mhm. All right. Uh so I think the next, I just kind of like to hear about your deck list, if that's okay. If we can move on to that, you know, we've talked about like you know what most people are playing in the core decks, and you've talked about a few cards that you have changed. So, what what kind of deck list have you settled on for both you know Gruel Ramp and um, uh, Mono Green Devotion, and like why 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 did you choose these cards over like what most people are playing?
2: Sure, so we'll start with the the easy one, Green Devotion, uh, because this is the deck that has the least amount of flex slots. Blucanose uh, is pretty obvious why this card's busted. It's really good against all the creature decks, but Nyssa is the card that I decided to put in. Uh, going forward, there's going to be a lot of control, and having a card like Nyssa that just sticks in play, uh, throws out uh, attackers every single turn, and allows you to easily combo off on the following turn is a really good um it's probably one of the best threats you could play on that uh spot on the curve against the control decks. Some people mm. play Gargaroth, that's a lot more for the aggro decks and for the spirits decks. But I found that Gargaroth and other blockers in order to beat spirits isn't really the way to do it, because they just leave in four Shacklegeist and you can never really get anything going at that point. Mm. So just hedging a bit more towards our bad matchups with throwing in the Nissa for beating the Control-X is what I ended up doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we move over to the Ramp deck, uh, the version of Ramp that I would be playing, I've, I'm still convinced that Escape to the Wilds is, is insane. Um, I I believe I played four, four leagues on stream with Escape to the Wilds, and I know I had a positive win rate in every single one of them, including 4-0-ing a prelim with it. Uh, Escape to the Wilds helped me so much against the control decks, as I said before. Just like more cards that I put on the stack early that force your opponent to cast their counterspells. Mm-hmm. And just digging really deep for the cards that matter is super important. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other flex slots that I had is I ended up cutting the Arch of Orozca and all the other cute lands from the deck for just more red sources in the form of Stomping Ground and Crackground Pathways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that ended up Coming to be because once you cut uh, Cavalier, you're able to dig less deep for your lands that matter, and you just want to be able to consistently cast your red spells.
1: That's pretty important. And I see you only have one layer of the Hydra in there as well.
2: Yeah. So in order to fit the pathways, uh, we need to cut some forests, but we don't want to cut too many forests because you need Castle Kar- Garimbrig to have the forest have the castle. Sorry, you need the forest to have Castle come to play untapped.
1: So we you don't also want to call it of, them basics. Out of your deck really
0: quickly with yeah. uh, this pilgrimage.
2: Yeah. They're usually the the second or the third cultivate will be the last one you can cast. Uh so you don't want to be getting rid of too many basics out of your deck.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Go so ahead. I, I was gonna say I also see Skylashers in the sideboard too, but if you you can talk about that after the main
2: uh, no, I think I'm all set with the main. I just, I just decided to cut a Worldbreaker. Uh, I believe I added another land in my deck. I did, yes. Uh, I found Worldbreaker to be pretty unimpressive in a lot of matchups. Mm. Just like, I, I feel like the control deck is just so hard in game one. i just rather not hedge with Worldbreaker. i I just rather play more lands. And as I said before with Escape to the Wilds, uh you're you're a lot better at digging for your threats so mm-hmm. you can cut down on some threats if you are going to be on the escape version
1: and you have four Tarkas, maybe you can talk about that real quick why four instead of three like other people uh
2: so i honestly did not think about cutting Tarka over anything else um Thinking about it a bit more, I can I can see the logic of why you would want to cut a Tarka for a card like Titan of Industry.
1: Yeah, I've yeah. I,
2: I've yet to do any intensive testing with Titan, but on the surface, it seems pretty good. It fills a similar role with a Tarka, where although it doesn't kill your opponent's creatures, you will stabilize when you put this seven mana creature into play. Mm-hmm. Ba- basically, a six mana creature with your castle, so. Uh, they, they both fill a very similar role. I wouldn't be surprised if you if the three Atarka, one Titan split is very obviously correct.
0: Is there any point to removing something like Worldbreaker entirely to be able to fit both the Cavalier
2: and Escape to the Wilds? Once you do that, the Sanctum game plan goes away, and then you're a lot yeah, worse been- against Control and Phoenix. Mm. Um... Yeah, and, and having too many five drops is a bit awkward because there's a lot of games you go like turn one grazer, turn two cultivate, uh, turn three escape, then cast another cultivate, and then you have I believe how much mana is that? That's three, five, seven, two to nine. Four, yeah, you're gonna have a you're gonna have guaranteed Ugin on that following turn. Uh, or just like Worldbreaker, sack, find the Ugin or the Embercool on the following turn. If you're cutting the Worldbreaker package, uh, your your Embercool and your Ulamog post board get a lot worse. Mm. And you lose a lot of your game plan against control. If you want to be... if you just want to concede the control matchup 100% and be a lot better against the spirits decks and the aggressive decks, then yeah, play... Play like three Escape, four Cavalier, and um, have a slightly different top end where you're probably playing three Atarka, two Titan of Industry. Mm-hmm. Some um, other different cards, ways to build it.
1: Other card in the sideboard. I see you're playing four Lantern of the Lost. Is there a reason you're playing that over like Soul Guide Lantern or another kind of graveyard hate? So,
2: I decided to play Lantern of the Lost over Soul Guide Lantern, uh, because this deck does run out of gas pretty quickly, Uh, and I I wanted Lantern of the Lost mainly for um, uh, Phoenix, Mm -hmm. and although Lantern of the Lost is a lot better against Phoenix than it is against Greasefang, when I built this deck, there wasn't as much Greasefang as there is right now, and Lantern was very good at dealing with Phoenix, because when you're playing against uh, Phoenix, you end up playing Lantern early, eating a Phoenix, and then eventually you're holding up the mana, and then when you have a spare turn, you crack it, exile the rest of the graveyard, and draw a card. But against a deck like Grease Fang, you're never actually able to convert the card on it because uh, you're at such high risk of dying that you can just... You're always going to have to hold open the threat of activation to exile the graveyard. So Lantern of the Lost, being able to draw a card, and exile the graveyard is a lot better. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I would I would be s I wouldn't be surprised if Lantern of the Lost is no longer correct if you're just supposed to cut these and bring in uh more weathered runestones also to hedge against the green red Titan deck. Uh because Phoenix, although it I believe it won the NRG the day after the ban, there has been very little Phoenix since
1: then. Hmm. I I did want to point out that like there's actually no new cards from, like, New compen in here that I think... Other than the, the Titan, if you're playing the Titan. Correct. But uh, I think this is just a case of the metagame changed enough to allow this to play, not so much that new cards got printed that allowed it to compete. Yes. I mean, would that, you that, agree?
2: Yep. This deck has existed for a while, uh, but it's just never been well positioned until now.
1: Yeah, it's been incubating or gestating, whatever you could say. <laughs> now it's ready to be born.
0: Reborn. Yes, Reborn. Yeah, and you know, we also did talk about how Winona was probably a bad matchup for the deck
1: prior mm-hmm. to this. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, the Green Devotion deck had a okay matchup because of how good Karn was. Karn shut off Chariot, and it could also mm-hmm. just downtake and grab the, the Grafdicker's Cage, and you shut off Winona completely. Uh, Grilled Ramp has no main deck way to beat a Winona besides roll over and die, and wait until game two to bring in <laughs> your sideboard cards. Mm-hmm. Or, <laughs> yeah, somehow get to Ugin before they get to four mana
1: yeah <laughs> just as much ramp yeah <laughs> it's not impossible no it is it is <laughs> all right well i think uh, yeah kevin you were gonna say something no i was gonna let you uh go ahead and bring us to the last topics if you had me yeah so you know like we said we got titan of industry we got some new cards in here but i think you know i want to ask you guys what kind of cards would you like to see printed for either of these ramp decks in the future like does would you like to see, like, another big card or another ramp card or, you know, etc.? What what do you think could make it even better in the future?
2: I don't know. I, I feel like the, the ramp package we have is pretty good. Like, obviously, I would love to have rampant growth. Just rampant growth. That's all I'm mm-hmm. asking. Um, there is there is no rampant growth equivalent unless you want to be playing basic wastes in your deck in order to play Rune in their wake. Then you get to mm-hmm. play uh, Thaumat Seer, but... That mm. That's a whole different deck. Uh, I've tried that struggle, and it doesn't lead anywhere. Uh, you know, looking <laughs> at the
0: list, I think Oath of Nyssa is maybe the one place where there's some improvement. If we had, you know, something comparable that, that digs a little deeper or finds more of our stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could also see... Uh, you know, I wouldn't hate if we had something like Primeval Titan, just as another fun... Mm-hmm. I, I would try Primeval Titan in this deck if we had it. Uh, oh. Probably we'd be able to play around with more fun of on lands, but... I yes. don't think that would make it significantly better in any specific matchups. That just would be a fun card I'd like to play in this deck.
2: Yeah. So how this how this deck works uh, with Castle Garenbrig uh, Cavalier, it's a five drop, but you are usually uh, Cavalier can be replaced by any six drop that comes that it comes out. Like for example, if we have Primeval Titan, I think it's a pretty clear one for one swap because you have Castle Cavalier in Prime Time basically costs the same amount of mana in this deck.
1: I think for me, if I was going to add one more card, if I could choose a card I'd like to see printed, I want another ramp target. I want something that's going to be 7 or 8 mana, that's going to be a, a really fun toy, like a Rurik Thar, or another Atarka type card, or another even like Titan Industry type card. Any of those really spicy, big cards that's like, oh, you're never going to play this, you know? but I have the mana now, I can play it. That's what I want.
2: What do you want it to do?
1: Help me against my worst matchups. <laughs> <laughs> which we'll uh, find that out later i guess with my bad matchups are
2: yeah i want a card that like i don't know draws one or two cards and then allows you to stabilize a little bit like
1: if titan of industry drew a card something like that give me like something that says destroy all blue cards like a, a seven mana skylasher that hits all flyers or like a, bi- a big a big hey, give spider us a cloud
0: which one Ooh. cloud thresher the uh, the evoke the old evoke elemental
1: Cloudless.
2: Hold uh, on, I'm going read it I'll read, out for you. Oh, I, I got you. I got you. It is a uh, two green, 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 green. So six mana, seven, seven elemental flash reach. When as a battlefield, it deals two damage to each creature with a flying <laughs> and each player oh. for ev- and as has evoke two green, green.
1: Wow, I want it,
2: please. That would be brutal it. in the yes. sideboard against um, <laughs> yes. against spirits. Sadly, I don't think we're ever gonna get evoke um back in a standard legal set again yeah, that yeah. seems unlikely they, they love printing evoke cards into master sets so it seems like that's where the mechanic is staying
1: do like an emerge thing bring back emerge from eldrazi Ooh, emerging out emerging a carry added or a grazer is nice into that yeah
2: that would be but, sweet okay
0: well, that's Maybe my we that's my thing, elder deep fiend. Hmm. Okay, <laughs> you know I will go back to brewing some more bad lists after we've got uh, Sam off the show. So, anything else you want to wrap us up with today, Ryan? Otherwise, I'm going to bring us towards the end of our show.
1: Yeah, I think that's good because you know we talked about pretty much everything I wanted to cover. I'm just really happy that we could talk about both Mono Green and Gruel. I kind of feel like they're kind of like uh, brothers or siblings or whatever in this meta game, and I'm excited to play with both of them.
0: Yeah, very different, but also very interesting. And I know that you and I are both big Ramp fans, so yeah. we're glad to see the deck back. We're glad to have you on, Sam. It's been great. Uh, really happy to hear your opinions. You know, always a fan of your stream. So go ahead and shout out any kind of Twitter, any kind of stream information you've got, and uh, we will make sure to get any of our fans to go ahead and follow you, because Ooh, we're a fan of the show. And my favorite part. Yeah. you are, too. Yeah. yeah,
2: so I stream on uh, twitch.tv slash Same. Follow me on Twitter, uh, twitter.com slash Same. And I have a YouTube account also, Island Go same. Is, I think it's like five followers away from hitting a thousand, which nice. is pretty sweet. Oh wow. So let's hope one of you guys is that special number 1K.
1: Mm. Is there a price? I'll
2: figure something out.
1: Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, you're also part of the playing pioneer team, so you can shout that out as well. Um, you know, you've also got a Green White Angels Discord that I feel like that's a deck you love to hate.
2: Yes, so the playing Pioneer, that's that's <laughs> the main thing. That's uh, the group of Pioneer grinders, Pioneer community people who build lists, who post the tier lists, who write articles. Uh, we are doing a pretty decent job at becoming the hub for Pioneer content and just general metagame advice. So if you're interested in that playingpioneer.com or playingpioneer.com/explorer, I think that's the the link mm-hmm. if you're interested in the arena version. Uh, and I have a, I have a, I have a few discords, but a, a, the Angels Discord is basically dead at this point. Angels is not <laughs> really that playable. It was cool when Giada come out came out, but at the moment it's not uh, very good.
1: Uh, all right anyways you can
0: also follow us at mtg pioneer Mm -hmm. on twitter that's the best place to follow us to stay up to date with all kinds of pioneer content that we are always tweeting and retweeting you can also find a link to our discord uh there which is another way to keep in contact with us and you can find our stuff posted usually on the untap open leagues website
1: yeah and you guys can find me on twitter as well at yo japan hobbyist and uh yeah i hope to uh see you guys playing some more pioneer in the future and hearing how you uh do with these decks you know if you do play ramp we'd love to hear from you
0: thank you one last time for joining us on the show and thank you guys all for listening we are the first pioneers podcast we look forward to being your go-to source for pioneer information online the first pioneers are ramping out